Hello, and welcome to the Atonicast. My name is Ed Niedermeyer, and I am joined, as almost always, uh, by my wonderful co-hosts, uh, Ms. Kirsten Korsak. Hello, Kirsten. Hello. And Mr. Alex Roy. Hello, Edward. Hello, Kirsten. <laughs> um, and I am uh, not at all mad this week because I have yet to see the Porsche taken in person. Uh, and both of you jerks have seen it. What you got to ride in it? Uh, well, you're not allowed to see it or ride in it until you learn how to pronounce it correctly. Oh, so that's the first thing. Uh, so Porsche put out a whole video on how to pronounce its its um, car, which <laughs> probably is an indication that it might be the wrong name for it. Because <laughs> if you need a YouTube video, but it's pronounced Tycon. Yeah, for all those. In the listening audience. And now, like, as someone who actually does, like, speak some German, uh, that actually, that, that is the logical pronunciation. Um, my Americanness has clearly uh, won out. Yes. And how do you pronounce it, Alex, with your best German Porsche accent? Taycan. <laughs> it's a Taycan life. The Taycan. It's the Taycan. <laughs> Guys, let's just jump into it. it okay. It's really, it's really cool. It's really awesome. Um, but this morning... 24 hours after leaving Niagara Falls, I was in the parking lot at the Kalahari Resort um, at the Pennsylvania Autonomous Vehicle Summit. And another guy in a Tesla comes up to me and he says, have you seen the Porsche Taycan? I said, yeah, it's awesome. He's like, no, it's not. It's too expensive. The range sucks and it doesn't have autopilot. And then I realized that that kind of logic suggests that no Porsche ever made was ever worth it. And that these people don't really understand why Porsche exists. Right. And, you know, I think that it's interesting. I'm going to ignore for a moment, because we'll get into it, that the first two variants of the Taycan that they showed, which are going to be their most high-end um, versions, which many automakers, including Tesla, have typically done. They put out the more expensive, higher profit margin potential vehicles first, and then, you know, offer base versions later, um, that they're calling it the turbo and the turbo S, which we all know it's an EV. There is no turbo in it. It's a little silly, but whatever. They've stuck with that nomenclature. But if you were to go to, if you were someone who wants to be part of the Porsche brand or already is an owner, and you were to want to get a 911, but then you want to do something more advanced in terms of the uh, powertrain and things like that going towards electrification, and you wanted a four-seater, a true four-seater, the pricing is in line with a 911 Turbo. A 911 Turbo yeah. starting is $161,000, and the Turbo S is almost $200,000. This, right. this is the parallel that should be. So, you know... Are you, are you saying the Taycan is a good value? No, but like value doesn't matter in this price point. I'm saying it's in line with Porsche pricing for its Turbo 911. And what they are trying to do here was create a vehicle that is electric, that sits between the 911 and the Panamera. And this does. Yeah. One, one more thing. I think the problem is that there was rampant speculation propagated in part by Porsche that this vehicle was going to be around the cost of the Panamera. I think had they been a little bit more upfront about like 911 pricing that 
people are reacting more to that, I think, than anything. That they were expecting a car that was going to be priced similarly to uh, a high-end Model S. So in the in the 90s to low 100s. And so I think a little bit of sticker shock is at play here. And, and by the way, the, the Tesla Model S, like fully maxed out, like a year ago, was like a $40,000 more expensive car. Right. Right. The prices have been coming down. And I think that's right. Like the the thing that matters most about this Porsche, honestly, is that like it's new, right? Like uh, when you're paying six figures for a car, um, you know, not having like having the only option in like a larger uh, size, right? Like with Tesla, you you have like two options, right? And like the Model S is seven years old now, um, and I think just having like a new electric car that is sexy and like like it's just new, like that's that that's valuable. But like I think the my favorite thing about uh, the the Taycan is that like, it's just inspired so many bad takes, right? Like you have the, the car fans, like all mad about the turbo thing, which is ridiculous. Nobody knows what a turbo is. It just means faster as far as 90% of people are concerned. Well, words do matter. I will argue back on that. Words do matter, but we live in a world where uh, four door vehicles are called coupes. So, or coupes. Yeah. so it, you know, Words apparently don't matter anymore, but as a (laughs) as a wordsmith myself, using the term turbo is a little silly. However, Porsche wants to, it it, it uses this terminology to indicate when it's the higher end version of it's like 911s and stuff like that. So it, I understand why they did it. I'd be curious to know how much internal debate there was over it. Right. Right. But see, this is what I'm saying is, is that like, like people who are obsessive about stuff are getting hung up on, on things that don't matter when it comes to this car. Right. Just so like, like the, the car, car guys are like, oh, but it doesn't have a turbo. It's so stupid. It's uh, it's, uh, the worst extremes of them. Right. And then the worst extremes of the Tesla fans are like, well, it hasn't beaten it on a range and zero to 60. Therefore, those are the only two things that matter. And therefore this car is a failure. And it's like, it's just this car, this car is basically like if trolling is the uh, is the uh, indicator for success, which like based on our president and a bunch of other things, you know, Tesla itself, like you could make the argument that that's the case. Like this car is uh, has a good like start to its trolling career because it's just making people like it's making people's brains break, and uh, it's it's fascinating to see. Well, yeah, I made the mistake, and then I'll let Alex jump in. I made the mistake of like jumping in on some forum talking about the tech on reveal and you know in person i will say that the the reveal was i mean i don't get impressed by i'm so i'm not going to use that word but it was certainly splashy you know it was dramatic it i i think that the live stream experience was a little different maybe but for us we were sitting in this like structure and they went through the whole thing you know fancy video loud music talk talking points but then when the vehicle came out the backdrop of the building actually moved and faded away and the Niagara Falls were literally right there in the background. So, I mean, it's pretty sweet, but was, was the Niagara Falls thing, was that a Tesla troll too? Because Nikola, Nikola Tesla like built a, a hydro plant there. Well, so I took a picture of, uh, there's a Nik- Nikola Tesla, um, statue right near there. I mean, that's not coincidence, right? I mean, they say that they wanted to 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 do show all the different kinds of renewable energy. Mm. We won't talk about like how hydropower while renewable also is 
typically caused by dams, which create all sorts of other environmental problems. But um, they did it near a solar farm in Berlin and near a wind farm in China okay. for the reveal. So, so they had that excuse. I suppose they could have had it out like by the Hoover Dam or something as well, or in Vegas, I guess. But, but yeah, that was the that was the hydropower. Uh, connection. But anyway, I made the mistake of going to these forums and there was a lot of like, this reveal is terrible. Um, but what was I thought was so interesting was that they were like, uh, a number of people said, well, I could buy like three or four Model 3s or, you know, for this price. And, you know, of course, my counter is like, well, you could buy like 20 freaking Nissan Leafs if that was also, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you could do. This is, this is a six figure vehicle. So that type of equation doesn't work. And then also a lot of folks saying, I'm disappointed. This it's proven Tesla is better than, than Porsche. And I'm like, it seems a little premature (laughs) because you haven't even been in the vehicle. This was the same thing that fans of Tesla complained about everyone else in the industry, the scary oil and gas industry uh, for, for not giving Tesla a chance. Like, get in the car, drive it. I mean, that is the true test. Yes, the seats were excellent. Yes, I actually think that a lot of the interior work is good. And the car itself, I find very beautiful. But I won't know until I actually drive the car if it all makes sense. So I'm not going to weigh in and make it stupid hot takes until I've driven the freaking car. Yeah. Alex? Uh, Well, it, what's so funny about all this is that, you know, if specs were everything, then, you know, people would just buy Ford Mustangs and Miatas, uh, sorry, not Miata, Ford Mustangs and Corvettes, and yet Ferraris in business, Porsches in business, um, Koenigsegg and these other companies make supercars and people buy them. There's a market for them. So people don't just buy based on specs. Secondly, uh, if you want to track a Model S, the ludicrous performance, the whole thing, you need to strip out that car. And like the Tesla racing series, the cars are highly modified. Like no one takes a Tesla Model S to the track for pleasure. They take them to write an article and then never do it again. Uh, and, you know, as recently as three, four months ago, Motor Trend did this article about Model 3 performance. They had to bring two of them um, for because they, the cars just got beaten up. Now, I love the Model 3. I've got one. But let's be serious here. Porsche makes race cars. That's what they do. And so the Taycan is the first such vehicle that's designed to go to the track and repeatedly do laps. That's what it's designed for. And the whole point of cars is not that they should just get from A to B, but that they go from A to A with maximum pleasure. And that's not about specs. It's about reliability. It's about repeatability. Uh, so the Taycan is, I think the Taycan is going to cannibalize 911 sales more than sales of any other car. That'll be really interesting to see like what other vehicle outside of um, Porsche would this, um, you know, in terms of internal combustion vehicles, sports car, do you think that this will compete against Alex? None. Well, when I say compete against, I mean, what would you give up to buy a Taycan? Because to go from an Accord to a Model 3 is a leap. You know, if you're the kind of person who's buying an Accord, you're already probably stretched or just intelligent and frugal. But to buy a Taycan, you're buying statement cars. You know, you're the, if you're buying a 911, it's, you don't, no one needs 911, you want one. And this is a 
a want car. It's not a need car. Right. But in terms of pricing, what is what is the vehicle that competes against the 911 today? A, a 911 Turbo, I should say. So above $150,000 sports car. Uh, Ferrari California? Yeah. Okay. That's like the entry level Ferrari, right? Yeah. Like a stripped out California. Oh. Aston Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're people. thing is, Aston Martin people are generally Aston Martin people. Right. Sure. And Ferrari people are Ferrari people. And, you know, and Porsche has the culture. It's just, it's just baked into you. You right. grow up, you're a Porsche guy. Right. Yeah. You know, my, my father, he bought a new Porsche every 10 years. He ordered the, you know, he ordered what he wanted. He went to Germany, picked up the car, he brought it back and then he kept it 10 years. That was just what he did as, as a successful man with, you know, that's just what he did. And the Taycan is, is I think it's going to be like that. I mean, the thing about the about the car that's funny is that it's not really a use. I wouldn't say it's a practical four or five person passenger sedan. Well, it's not a five person. Let's be clear. Like it is not a five person car. It is a four person car, and you fit in there nice and snug, like. And but there's room. We were sitting in the back seat, right, Alex? And there was room. Yeah, I mean, it's about. I, I'm guessing it's about the size of a Model 3 in the back. Um, but with much better seats. <laughs> with much better. I mean, yeah. I mean, That's it, one thing it, I will seats, say. <laughs> the seats were way better than any Tesla in terms of support, comfort, materials, like way better. So this is a car for this is the car for someone who is coming out of 911, pretty much. Um, I think that they're going to see a lot of people who bought Model S's before the three existed, were if you if you bought a Model S P100D performance and you're coming off lease and you are not transporting children, this is probably the car for you. Um, but if you were a Model Three buyer, you're never going to be the buyer of this car. Well, and and I would never have expected that. I think that you know one thing to remember here is, um, and I and I take this into consideration with. With any automaker, this is why I hate the Tesla killer headlines, Tesla fighter headlines. It's like the the number of vehicles, um, percentage-wise, new vehicle sales that are electric is still incredibly small. And in many ways, it's true that there hasn't been what I would call uh, a toe-to-toe competitor EV-wise with the Model 3 yet. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But really, this should be treated very differently. And it's important to keep in mind that Porsche's says it took they they spent a billion dollars developing this vehicle, including the tooling and things like that. And I've got all the specs on like what they had to do to this factory to in, improve it, and and it's interesting. Building a new paint shop, body shop, all this stuff. Um, but they're going to but they're going to spend another five billion dollars to on what they are calling e-mobility. So that's going to be hybridization of its vehicles. It's going to mean more electric vehicle, all battery electric vehicles and other things through 2025. That's not very long. So $5 billion more dollars is going to be sunk into this company to with the sole purpose of electrifying its fleet and then rolling out more all, all electric vehicles. So I think it's a little bit premature again to all of a sudden say, oh, the two highest priced, you know, vehicles, well, that's it. 
Porsche is going to fail at this. I mean, it's just a little silly. That's silly. The reality is this is going to be a successful car. Uh, I, you know, I want to dig in for a second about the range issue. You know, 450 kilometers of WLTP range translates to, for the, for the Turbo S, translates to 280 miles EPA, which means it's more like a 250 mile car if you drive it like Is that mellow. for the Turbo or the Turbo S? Turbo S. Okay, because I thought the Turbo had slightly more range. Um, and then the tur- because because the turbo has less power than the turbo S, just like how, um, like the ludicrous version technically on Tesla usually has a little bit. We don't have EPA range anyway, do we? We not yet, not yet. I think, for my understanding, is and I, I heard hints of this is that there will be a rear wheel drive only longer range edition that's lighter, just like the 100D Tesla has you know more range than a P100D, so. What I want to get into is this notion about less range. If you have, so if this car has got you know less range, but it's charging two to three times faster, then that makes up for the range loss. If you are char- if you have access to the Electrify America network, and or if you're charging at home or work, then the range just doesn't matter. Two fifty is is sufficient. Yeah, and and I remember when uh, Kirsten, you had the the Jaguar I Pace. Right there too, people were like, oh, the range, like, and I, I just, I genuinely think like these cars, like if you're spending $150,000 on the latest, like Porsche, you know, on, on this car, like, are you road tripping? Like, and more specifically, are you road tripping in a non-leisurely fa- fashion? Like, are you taking long trips uh, where you have to get somewhere rapidly in this car? No, you're flying. Like you're probably flying in a private jet. Well, well, I, w- I, I would. Right. Well, here's one thing I will say. Like, I, I think that Porsche made the right decision in putting out its highest variant that's going to be on 911 pricing. That Jaguar really should have done something. Like, I can see why the Jaguar I Pace sales haven't been great. This is a, this, it, it was a fine car to drive. It was a fun car. They put a lot of effort into it. This, the Taycan, I've ridden in it. I haven't driven it yet. And I've sat in it and I've seen the final product. It's, beautifully done. And it is at the right price point for, for, I, it, they're only going to produce 40,000 of these vehicles a year. I think that there are in Silicon Valley alone in Orange County in California, plenty of people. 10,000. Yeah. I think there are going to be plenty of these cars. There's plenty of millionaires out there who will buy this car. The, the, I think the big question that we don't know yet is if it will be a lasting nameplate, you know, a lasting model, uh, brand, you know, that, that port will Porsche brand have to be carrying it through. Will the Taycan continue to exist? Will people continue to buy the car, you know, year after year? And that will be, you know, that's has, we don't know that. I have a prediction prediction. The Panamera will probably go away eventually. Yeah. That's my prediction because or the Taycan's going to go away because there's no reason to have both. If you look at you know the market segment, like I mean, Panamera sales, like logically, if you're in a Panamera, you probably should be in a Cayenne. And if you electrify a Panamera and you have this, and you electrify the 911, something's got to go. The 911 is never going to go. So Wikipedia. Well, the first car, the, the first car before you cite Wikipedia for crying out loud, oh my God. Fucking millennials, dude. I'm, I, I'm, it's, I'm, it's a question. Like my, it's a, Wikipedia <laughs> says that it's initially being offered as a, a sedan, 
but they're going to do an SUV called the Taycan, Taycan Cross Turismo. Right. It's not an SUV. Right. It's a wagon. And then a, a two-door coupe and a convertible. So the Taycan's going to be a race. Well, but vehicles. also they're going to – their next electric vehicle that Porsche is going to do is the Macan. And that is actually far more compelling to me. Like this is the showpiece. This is going to get, you know, the well-heeled customers of the world in who are who are committed and loyal to Porsche. And then maybe some converts, right? Yeah. From other brands. But the Macan is their lowest, I believe is their lowest price, you know, small SUV. And that is going all electric next. And they've said that. So in two years or something. So that is going to be the one that I'll be most interested in. There's also like some like platform strategy context that's been missing from a lot of the conversation around this car too. Um, Like this vehicle, it's on a unique platform. It's the J1. They just built it for this vehicle or or this line of of Taycan vehicles. Um, And so this is, and, and this is interesting because like Volkswagen Group in general, right? Like they're how they make money is they develop a, a flexible architecture or, or or whatever and and apply it to just tons and tons of cars, right? So like, you know, think of their SUVs, right? Like the Touareg, there's like a Bentley, now a Lamborghini, right? They they leverage these platforms for all these different brands and 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 they really the master of of that art form. Um and what's interesting is that this is a one-off platform. Like this is going to be this family of Tycons. But then after that, um they're developing an entirely new uh, performance EV platform jointly with Audi called PPE. And um, that seems so, so, so what's interesting about this, like, well, yes, it is a statement and yes, it is, you know, um, trying to show the future and, and, and obviously they're very, you know, they're going to want it to be successful, but like, this is not, it's not like they are married to this specific architecture, like super long-term and across a bunch of different things. Like both this and the e-tron were kind of like, put together individually as sort of like almost like holdover sort of like to have something in the Well yeah they were they were slow I mean it it I think I think it's important to note that like while Porsche was one of the first I think in the racing scene to do hybridization Alex please correct me if I'm wrong but I think in motorsports they were one of the first uh, I'm, besides, I'm not, I think I think uh actually I don't know I, I there were certainly one of one of them maybe the first I so Alex, go check Wikipedia or whatever the fuck <laughs> you check. And, um, but in, but I will say that Audi, Volkswagen, Porsche, there were a lot of laggards here, right? Uh. And they were, as you said, kind of forced because of the iteration cycle, had to come up with something. And I think that's why, um, you know, some of them have fallen a little flat, like e-tron sales aren't great. Um, but I do think it's very different when you try to sell a family SUV as opposed to selling a high-end sports car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure someone will call me out if I'm wrong, but going the high-end sports car route isn't a bad idea <laughs> because it is a specific use case. And I think the expectations of the driver are very performance-focused, which Porsche is very good at, and less driver range focused. Um, they couldn't have put out a hundred mile range vehicle, certainly, but they, they don't necessarily have to put out a 301 for this first, first one. But I think Audi and and uh, and others, they did say that they were going to have a longer range vehicle in the following year. 
I mean, I, and obviously the entry level Ticon's going to be longer range. Sure. But guys, you know, can, can we move on to address some of the interesting things that some of the Tesla people have said about the Ticon? Uh, you know, one of them is, oh, it doesn't have autopilot. Uh, so obviously, uh, this is near and dear to my heart because I have a Tesla and I love using Tesla autopilot. And I've been waiting for someone to come out with a system that did lane keeping combined with radar, you know, cruise control that was really good for long distance driving. So I drive a lot. So, uh, the, you know, Porsche offers, uh, active cruise control like everybody else. And it's fine. Um, they also have this thing called Inno Drive, which is huh, hard to describe. Oh yeah, didn't you? Just, <laughs> didn't you uh, uh, have an interesting? It's a multi-thousand dollar option that no one orders. Dealers don't stock it. No one likes it, and which was announced a few years ago and then went away. Which appears, it, I, I'm trying to. It was so inconsistent in its functionality. I'm trying to describe it. <laughs> You should not order this option. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you took autopilot and everything you don't like about autopilot and you tied it to an inconsistent database of speed limits <laughs> and you and like a map that's not updated and you know something, just don't order in a drive. So I asked the Porsche guys, I said, what, what exactly are you going to offer on this car? Uh, and, the, and so they're like, oh, we'll have, you know, we have lane, you know, keeping assistance and we have ACC and Inno Drive 2. Mm. But no one could explain to me what InnoDrive 2 was going to do. Mm. So on one hand, you don't buy a Porsche because you're looking for driver assistance. You're looking because you want to drive it. Obviously, it has all the safety features, forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking, all that stuff. But the real question is, why was Porsche so quiet about InnoDrive 2 and what is it going to do? They literally didn't even mention it at the reveal at all. Well, and we were both at the uh, technical workshop, Alex, and they didn't, they, they spent a copious amount of time on charging infrastructure and the interior design and the integration and the user interface. And I was very excited to hear about driver assistance and like, what, what's it going to be involved? And there was very, very little um, information on any of that. Although I think in my notes, I have some stuff. I did ask him about sensors and cameras. Yeah. The, uh, the guy who I, I think, I mean, I think we were in the same, at the same event, but on different days, they pulled up a slide, which had a list of like 17 functionalities for driver assistance and Inno drive two was on the slide. And the guy literally said it would take too long to explain them all. We'll get to that in the future. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I'd love to know more about that. Also, um, uh, I heard several times in the workshop, they discussed OTA updates. Yes. Um, but did not explain what the OTA updates were for. Oh, I, they, they gave me some information on that. Maybe you just didn't ask nicely enough. <laughs> Why don't you tell, tell us? Oh, oh, the, okay. So it's definitely going to be focused primarily on infotainment type of things. However, I did ask them if that would be able to be applied to like the performance of the vehicle. And they said that technically it could be. But their philosophy is to not roll out updates unless absolutely necessary. I also asked them about Easter eggs. And they kind of, this was hilarious because they first of all looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I explained the whole Tesla thing. And one of them said, no, like this is a car to drive, not play video games. And then that was that. So that that type of like frequency in terms of updates is it's not going to be a similar experience as to like if someone has a a Model S. Well, let's get to the next thing. So the best thing about 
Tesla as an electric vehicle, are, there are many things I love, is that the supercharger network and the destination charging network database is built into the GPS. So if you route longer than the car's range, it will suggest stops and stop durations. And they're optimized to eliminate or reduce the likelihood of bricking the car. Right. So that's going to be in uh, this as well. Yeah. So Porsche, and, th- and this is, you know, they didn't talk about this at the reveal, but it's a very important feature. The Porsche, I guess, Tycon app will aggregate the uh, various, you know, third party electric networks into the app. And so your logins are all aggregated. And so it will, it's capable in theory of plotting out a route that will include charging stops at competing networks. Right. And that's interesting. And and an important thing here, and and I'm not saying this is something that Tesla doesn't do, but an important thing for getting the most out of the range. And also they built and put all this money into this 800 volt architecture. They, to be able to do this sort of fast charging. And they talk a lot about numbers like, okay, you don't have long range, but you could pop into a station and in five minutes you can get essentially 60 miles of charge added to it. And that's their philosophy of like use case, right? So like popping in, getting something really quickly, moving on. In the map navigation, if you are navigating to a charge spot, if you say, I'm going to go there, the software in the vehicle will... Uh, prep the battery to receive that charge so that it can receive it uh, the most efficiently as possible. So that is another sort of layer, software layer that that is integrated within the vehicle. And I think it's smart. I mean, aside from the Tesla, what one thing I will say besides the Tesla, I have yet to be in an EV that is good at navigating to charging stations. I always have to pull up the PlugShare app. I always end up having to like print out stuff like freaking MapQuest days back in like early 2000s. You know, if they are able to do this and we will see, that will be huge because it's a major, major inconvenience. It's one thing Tesla has done absolutely very well is making sure that people can know exactly where their superchargers are and how much uh, mileage is left. And they basically make it impossible for you to run out of charge. And if you're if you're not going to invest in infrastructure, if you're an automaker, you're not going to invest in infrastructure. Invest in this. It's software. Like just do it, do it right, right. Like because then at least you know it may not be your own your own charging infrastructure, um, so you don't get some of the benefits associated with that. But it, it make the, make it easy to find and and use them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now, I've got some bad news, guys. What? I have bad news. What? All right, now as you know, I'm a Tesla owner, mm-hmm. but I'm a Porsche file. And I want to only talk about the Taycan aspects that I love. Okay. But I have located something that I do not love. Okay. Talk about it. And this is goes to the heart of why Tesla fans, many of whom I don't think are car people at all, <laughs> are so into Tesla. Because Tesla nails this and Porsche is not nailing this. If you go to the Porsche.com website, Porsche.com slash USA, Mm-hmm. And you click on the Tycon Build Your Porsche configuration option. Oh, I know what you're going to say. The first thing that comes up is, yep. con- the first thing is conflict error. Right. You must pick an option. Right. Mobile charger, um, and then mobile charger with some other hoo-ha. So they're, right off the bat, Tesla is, I'm sorry, Porsche has really messed up the bot, like just the, the research process for their car. Mm-hmm. Now, Click on either Tycon. I'll click on the Tycon Turbo. I've, I've played around with this configure it all a lot. So yeah. Okay. So a conflict error, mobile charger connect. 
you must pick the glass roof. That's going to, yeah, they're going to remove that. So the, the glass roof you have to get, which they didn't talk, they didn't show that by the way. No. At the reveal, which I thought was a huge mistake. Why not just make it standard like a Tesla? They are going to make their, so they, um, the glass roof is, you have to take, and then eventually they're going to come out with a, of a standard one that where you don't need to have the glass roof. Well, this is super amateur hour. Yeah, yeah. That that was, I think, a, a major misstep. And the fact that they showed those two vehicles um, without the glass roof, it's like, okay, but you can't right, even get that. So here, here's the next thing. So, all right, so I accept the changes. Oh, by the way, uh, you have to pick Mobile Charger Connect or Mobile Charger Connect with Home Energy Manager, currently unavailable, but 500 bucks extra, which is a very Porsche thing to do. Like, I'm sorry, very Tesla thing to do. You know, you, oh, you really should pay for this, but you can't have it right now. Right, right. I accept the changes. And then I go to the, so there, there are, I mean, the cosmetic options in the Taycan absolutely pwn any manufacturer. I mean, they just are killing, the cosmetic options are the best. There but are, you, there are some really kick-ass yeah, ones. There, but if you go down to the e-mobility tab on the right, mm-hmm. you scroll down to the e-mobility options. There, the third thing down the list is $300. And that's just called the Porsche Intelligent Range Manager. And th- I'm going to read the text. So here's what it does. Based on the route, the Porsche Intelligent Range Manager adjusts the maximum speed as well as the air conditioning to minimize charging and journey time with maximum comfort. So that, that's the first half of what it says. So that basically is what in a Model S or X uh, is called range mode, right. which is a, a, a selection, which that's a, and range mode is built into every, every Model S and X. So Porsche wants to charge you $300 for an econ button. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Right. Which is, I mean, I'm sorry to say it's an insult. <laughs> then, the, then it's an insult. It's a slap in the face. The car is $150,000. The, the functionality exists. It's in there. And you want to eke out every spare mile out of this car. And they're going to charge you $300 to do it. That's, you know, there's, that is, that's, they're, they're that's gonna, Deutsch marking. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's, it's, Deutsch it's, it's called wanting to make money. And it's something that it's offensive. I've never done. No, no. And like, you know, compare it, right? Like if someone is selling a dollar for 85 cents and, you know, they're, you know, they're selling more dollars than anybody else, like whatever, just add $300 to the price of the car and let it build it in. It's an insult. Right. There are certain features that you can absolutely charge money for, but this, this one is not one of them. I don't think. Here's the second, here's the second. You just just established that it, that it adds a lot of value. So here's the second half of the description during your journey. The system also provides proactive advice in case you can reduce your travel time with a different vehicle, different vehicle setup. I have no idea what that means. Different vehicle setup, are they referring to like suspension height or what mode you're in? I mean, the whole point of a range mode is that everything is done to extend your range. Um, So this is clearly was run through some automated translation software (laughs) and and also, it was run through a sub-op. Whoever's in the seat deciding this, it, that this was a mistake. The only thing the only thing that I could possibly consider is why they did this, which I'm not saying is a valid one, but... German. It's if they were like, the primary use of this car is going to be zipping around and then taking on the track and no one's going to want this range manager 
Um, and so let's make it an option. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right, but, but I could see them going, well, no one wants this or they don't think anyone wants this. So let's just make it. Let me tell you how this would be done by anyone else by Tesla, but Tesla would never do this. What they would, should have done is there's a range mode button in the car and your credit card is stored in the Porsche app and you need more range. You press the button and it charges your card $300. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've got like a 10 extra miles one time. You have it forever. This is, this is retarded. This is when Tesla fans are criticizing Porsche, they're mostly wrong. But on this point, they'd be right. Can I tell you one thing that they are doing right though that I thought was kind of great and will like I, I, I kind of appreciate? Yes. As can I jump in or are you We're here for you? Okay, great. So if you go through the configurator and I've been playing around with it, um the, and there's some fun things, you know, in terms of customization, like you can get your wheels to match the exterior paint the, color. The twenty one inch Tycon exclusive design wheels are yes. I want the wheels, I don't even want the car. Just give me the wheels. Yeah. And there's some sweet ass colors. And I like the fact that there are uh, 10 or 11 colors and only one you have to pay for right now, which is the red. Everything else, including all the metallics, they're all free, free, you know, free for your $150,000 um, payment. But if you go through to, um, I think it's exterior and you scroll through and there's all these expensive options, but there's two $0 options. One of them is the deletion of the Tycon Turbo logo on the rear, which I like. Mm. Because for those, and it almost makes me think that they were anticipating people not wanting to have that Turbo badge on there. <laughs> and so you can just not have it on there, which I think is, which is a, a, a smart thing to do. And it leads me to believe that there was absolutely like arguments over whether, whether you're going to call these things turbo or not. I, I, they should I don't charge know. people for it. If people feel that strongly about turbo being dumb, they should pay a hundred bucks to not have it on their car. Kirsten, the, the model delete option has been standard on all Porsches and like going back like for decades. Yeah. But I think it's good. Don't you think that like that you it's can't fine. have. <laughs> Let me tell you what's good is okay. the white, a white Tycon with the mission E white, wheels yeah is absolutely oh my god like uh i was looking at the uh the um i think they're the they're almost like a rose gold color and that was the um the orum wheels i believe it's the best you know uh it's like the the quote from robocop like look at this thing who cares if it works or not (laughs) just look at it but i think right the advantage of buying a a car that's even remotely competitive with Tesla in terms of appeal, performance, whatever you want to, right? Like, like being within 80% of that and then having um, a known quantity user experience, right? Like we don't know specifically, this, this specific car may have problems, right? But like we know that Porsche- Watch your dirty established mouth. Established standard I mean, for customer, of customer service, right? Like, like right. they've been in the business for a while. They know what's expected and they generally live up to- the expectations, uh, you know, at the, in the premium part. And I think, I, I know I've said this before, but like, I think that, that, um, the ability to offer that really matters more than anything here, because I think there are a lot of Tesla people and you, you, you watch it, the, how the forums have evolved over the years. And it went from everybody being a Kool-Aid drinker 
to sort of divergences between the investors and the and the and the owners, which by the way, like, you know, charging for options, like owners may like not having to, you know, having a lot of stuff bundled with their car for free. Investors maybe at some point are gonna like care more about making money. And and this may be something that that Tesla is gonna have to do, whether they whether they want to or not. Um but then over time, right, like the the service experience has really been one of the most corrosive things uh, for, for Tesla owners. And I think that there are a lot of people who would love to stay in a Tesla, but they just can't tolerate like three month waits for parts and, and just things like that. So, again, we don't know that because this is a specific car, it's Porsche's first EV. We don't know exactly what the, the variances are going to be with this car, but we do know that Porsche is a a no quantity and they have a standard that they're going to try and maintain. I think that that's going to be really attractive to a lot of, a lot of people. However, I think, and I know we're almost out of time here, but like it's this car and I totally get why this car is, is, is getting so much attention. Um, But I think what this really kind of proves is that EVs are um, very much a premium market. Like that's where the business is for EVs in the short to medium term. And I think it's fascinating that um, another car that I think is actually profoundly more important in terms of the big picture goal of, um, you know, reducing and, or hopefully eliminating. Uh, Electric. Is it, is it a Renault? It is. So we discussed this on a, on a past episode that it, the electric version of the Renault Quid was just announced in China. And according to my calculations, based on the, uh, the, the release spec, we're basically talking about 150 miles of, of range for about $8,500. And I think that, uh, because I also personally believe that 150 miles of range is enough for anybody. Um, we also, Alex and I drove the gas version of that car across India. It's a great little car. Um, 150 miles of range, that car, $8,500. That to me is like the Model T of electric vehicles. And, um, you know, Renault and, and Nissan can still screw it up. Um, and, uh, you know, frankly, like the, the, the first gen leaf could have been the model T or the, or the Volkswagen beetle or something, um, a really iconic car. And it wasn't cause that was kind of screwed up in, in a couple of ways. Um, but that, that has potential. And I think, you know, it's at some point we're going to have to acknowledge like the line between, um, the mission of, of electrifying vehicles and, uh, the status signaling of being wealthy and having something that's cool and like hot right now, which are electric cars. These are two separate things. They're not completely unrelated, but they're two separate things. And I think that at some point, right, like if the mission is, is more than just virtue signaling, like we need to start talking about mass market electric cars because there the market is not at all proven. And that's, that's what needs to happen at at some point. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to argue that, there are many people like myself who want to virtue signal, but actually just don't give a shit. Um, and the Taycan in no universe is that a virtue signaling car. And people who believe it is are, are lying to themselves and everyone else. And that's fine. Um, cars, if they were meant only to be transportation, would be probably c- – culture would dictate that cars are speed limited and no one will buy anything more expensive than – 30,000 bucks. Uh, but cars are expression of who we are. Um, and I'm glad the technology is cap- catching up with that right or wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. And, and certainly, right. Like things have to start somewhere and, and developing a premium market is a first step, but, um, I, it's also not a guarantee, right? Like 
Just because wealthy people like EVs and can make them work with their lifestyle doesn't mean that everybody uh, can or will. So it's still an open question whether or not you know EVs will work for, for huge swaths of the market. I hope they do. All right, guys, I'm done talking about the Tycon for now and Tesla, my two favorite topics. <laughs> so here's my question. Alex, are you going to, to buy the Tycon? Oh. A year from now, will the Tycon be part of your virtue and vice signaling portfolio, which includes the Morgan, the Porsche Targa, and the Model 3? I would buy the rear-wheel drive longer-range Tycon at a lower price point if I lived in California. Oh, interesting. Why the why the difference in geography? Why does that matter? Uh, yeah, a car like that is you know meant to be driven on good roads in good weather, and the West Coast is just more optimal for it. Mm, okay, right. there's no point owning like a car like that in the tri-state area. I live in New York City. It's just stupid. I mean. 18 inch wheels are already a problem like 19s and 20s forget it you pop a tire it's just not worth it yeah interesting and of course charging infrastructure in new york city is just such a hassle even if I, there's a charger in my garage i have to pay the guy 20 extra dollars to move the car into that spot that could cost hundreds of dollars a month in it's just not honestly worth it. i think ev charging for apartment dwellers is the much bigger issue than ev charging for road trips uh, but that's a whole separate episode, right? And I don't, I, I don't know um, if the person buying the one hundred eighty-five thousand dollar base before you add in everything Turbo S, Tycon Turbo S, has that same issue. But yes, you're right. That is a topic for another day. Um, so we should close the show by noting that the Atonicast has not been on the weekly schedule that we and used to be twice weekly which was impossible to sustain over a long period of time. But uh, we've been a little bit um, dodgy this summer. And I blame Ed and Alex primarily. Um, Alex working, whatever, like flitting around the world, and then Ed's stupid book. So now that that's all over and everyone's kind of relaxed a little bit, right? We're going to be more consistent with our episodes. Was, it's, it's over? Yes. No, I, I blame Ed because he only cares about his book and Tesla. And he's, you know, he's oil oil companies, you know, back him to hit Tesla. He has no time for actual education and a real podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah. Let's wrap this up, guys. Kirsten, um, where can we learn more about you in between Autonicast episodes? <laughs> I think people should know by now that, that they can find me at TechCrunch or on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to, to all the many direct messages and mentions um, all about how the Tycon is terrible and really Tesla is the best company that has ever existed because that's right now what, what my feed looks like. Anita Meyer, where can we find you uh, when we want to learn more about you outside of Tonicast? Uh Well, at the, uh, the Koch Brothers training camps, of course. Um, at... Uh, <laughs> You know, your nearest gas station. I just kind of hang out there because I like to be around fossil fuels. Um, no, I, I'm on Twitter at Tweetermeyer. Uh, I'm also the senior editor for mobility technology at The Drive. So um, you can you can find my work there. And Alex, what about you? Where are you? I'm Alex Roy 144 on all <laughs> motherfucking platforms. Um, okay, nice. See you so next now week. we have the explicit clearance. See you next week. 